salutations, greetings, and welcome to it. This is when Highbury was home, a loud booth podcast presentation. I am your host, True Story, and thank you for joining us for this episode 14. And if you're an Arsenal fan, it may not be an easy time, you know. <laughs> it got me to thinking, like, you know, first and foremost, season's greetings to you all. I pray your festive season is a blessed one a prosperous one, a healing one, and a guiding one more than anything, a replenishing one, right? And that and that thought, you know, that little song on the first day of Christmas, my true love said to me, and I'm like, damn, it's like the 10th day of Christmas as we record this, and our arsenal has said to us 15th and on top of the Europa League group, right? <laughs> It's fucking crazy, man. No cap. Going into the season, we had a lot more expectations than what we're seeing now. You'd have figured, yes, seeing our Europa League group, all right, we should be atop that group. And to go through that group undefeated would be just, you know. Yet, we wouldn't trade going atop that group undefeated for us to be 15th on the log, bro. At the very least, we'd trade that and be like, take the Europa League and give me fourth or, or third or something in the league, right? So... It's been a tough couple, tough couple, couple games for us. Uh, pardon us for not getting us uh, the couple episodes out in between there. We're just always busy working on the EP right now and editing the book is a bit of a process as well. Running through, running to go get to printing and all of that, putting all the other stuff together as it pertains to the assets that come with that. So it's been it's been rather hectic schedule wise. And instead of trying to burn myself out and give y'all content that is half ass, I figured let's just. Let us slice at Tosi, bro, and then we'll come through when we got time and we got space and we're able to, you know, share this time with y'all because it's a very sacred thing that we do do over here, right? So just a quick recap of that time that we have been away. Like, we won against VN and that sealed our top of the group and, you know, qualification into the next into the next stages having been group winners. Our young players excelled as usual and that was great to see, you know, the fact that at the free list this year... The, this year and this little first half of the year was used to develop them and plant them in through the Europa League. That was great. The French players and the players that maybe aren't going to be in the squad down the line, at the very least, have justified a resale value of sort, right? That for the first time in a while, we'll see Arsenal actually get some form of transfer fee for players that we are actually supposed to move on from. And instead of just seeing them walk away for nothing, you know? Yeah, we won the group. That was great. And... In a sense, going as 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 well as we've we've gone so far, and the fact that we know our first team players or many of our first team players will come back into the squad for the knockout stages, they'll have a point to prove, and it's a thing where, at the very least, if you're struggling in the league to finish in the Europa League in the European places, get yourself that European finish by winning the Europa League, right? And I think that's a nice character to dangle in front of them and say to them, you know what, gents, there it is for you, bro. Give yourself give yourself something worthwhile to. To stand behind at the end of the season and if it means okay individual players have improved but squad wise again we're still in Europe and in a sense we didn't lose anything going into the season it's all gains in that regard then I think that would be great across the board and for Mikel that would definitely buy him the the leeway to to look forward into next season and know he's got security because it's actually kind of scary to think the talk of him losing his job right now and having three games to save his job after losing to Spurs and it's like let's keep it real bro we can say we're right into that. The loss to Spurs was gut-wrenching, it was embarrassing, and it was momentum-shifting. You know, bar Spurs actually having tangible success, and we're not on Apple that Spurs continue not to win a damn thing. 
because right now they're beating us and they keep beating us as it pertains to finishing ahead of us in the league and we're not really doing well in the league. Yes, we're winning cups on the side and they ain't winning shit. So knock on what Apple, that continues for them and then for us at the very least, we start to improve in the league because I don't like this. You know what I'm saying? We had Chelsea tell us shit and then they actually won shit and then they finished above us. So that conversation, we don't really engage too much. We put on the back burner knowing overall we're still the bigger club, yet currently you have success and we know how you got your success. With Spurs, it's kind of different because, yeah, they ain't won shit, but they ain't really bought the success, bro. They've continued to develop the way we should have been developing across the board. If anything, there was a time when all Spurs did was just jack our model, where any player we were linked to but couldn't afford Spurs would go by. And that was the model for the longest time. And look how good it turned out for them. Guys like Toby Adelvarell, it turned out pretty good for them, didn't it? Christian Eriksen, we being linked to him now, bro, when we should have signed him before he went to Spurs. And they signed him and it did pretty well for them, right? It's some bullshit, bro. Even Gary freaking Bells was a player that you can be like, yo, coming up, we thought, hey, Arsenal should go get those if you're inclined to get a player who's got that next level type talent. Didn't get those. For goodness sake, we let Harry Kane go as a youth prospect, shawty. He's the most scoringest player in the fucking North London derby as of last fixture. Let that fucking sink in, family. No disrespect to Eddie, but we went and got Eddie from Chelsea's youth and then when they had released him. But look at how it turns out for us. Now Eddie's com competing with a kid from our development of who's the better striker when across the board we could be doing better. Tammy's an Arsenal fan doing better starting for Chelsea than we have right now up front because Uber's struggling. It's a mess right now. So it's like the momentum in London has so fucking shifted that I don't like it. And I keep saying, if Arsenal keep fucking up, we're going to turn this shit into a fucking West Ham show, bro. We follow West Ham, Crystal Palace, and Leighton Orient, bro. Like, fuck this shit. Because, like, after the Spurs game, we realized the squad quality was exposed. The quality of our squad is not levels. It's not... It's not really competing with the other top six teams in the league. For goodness sake, if you're talking top ten actual teams on paper in the league, we struggle to get there sometimes across the board. Where we like to, we like our players, but we had this conversation. Bert Leno was arguably the third best German goalkeeper, which means in the top 25, top 30 best goalkeepers in the world, he might not get a look in like that. Yet he's our number one. Hector Bellerin just got back into the Spanish squad and it's still arguable whether he's on merit supposed to be on those levels because he hasn't played to that level since the injury started to hit him, you know? Rob Holding we like, but I mean, we got him from Bolton for a reason. Mm. Gabriel is brilliant. Kieran Tierney is brilliant. Thomas Partey is amazing, yet we, we, we're rushing him into a squad where he's not fully fit, we're not supporting him by putting players around him who can support him. Why does Elneny not start next to him? Why is De Xhaka next to Partey in that game? I don't understand it. Mikel needs to answer for shit like that. That's what it is, bro, because you're looking at it saying we have a world-class midfield in Partey, don't put help around him. Where You have a young guy like, well, look, at least try him. Ceballos, we don't consider like that because he's not our player. Xhaka shouldn't be our player long-term. Quinduzi's out on loan, where I think he would have been the perfect foil for this man here. So you play El Nene, you play Willock, and then you can bring back Gwendo maybe in January and let's see what we can do with this before. Otherwise, go get me a midfielder in there. Emil Smith-Rowe should be playing at 10. We like the Lacazette experiment for the one European game that it worked very well. Aside from that, all we see is Endeavour, no end product, bro. So we need a better 10 or go get me a 10. Otherwise, play Emil Smith-Rowe, play Charlie Patino, 
play play young Omari Hutchinson, play me the kids and they play soccer in there. Because William's not good enough for me on the wing. Reese Nelson wasn't played until the European games and then you realize he doesn't get a look in after performing well. His body maybe is not adjusting so well to coming in playing at a high intensity than not playing and not necessarily playing for the under 23. So he, then he sits on the side and he gets cold. Picks up these muscle injuries where we could have used them against Spurs, but he probably wasn't going to play anyway. And that's fucked up, bro, because he could have done a lot different than what William was doing. Well, William tried, but you can see it's just not there for him anymore. You know? Saka, I'd love to see him get a lot more proper runs in the team because it's like right now he's playing in losing situations in squads that aren't really doing well, where I'd like to see him fight it out. He hasn't really put his hand up to be the guy that starts ahead of Pepe, where even if you thought of selling Pepe for whatever reason in January or in the summer, it's like Saka hasn't put his hand up and shown that he's, he's the better player. So we have questions to answer for down the middle, man. Uber, I don't know where the form went, bro. It flew out to New York with truth, yo. I really don't know, bro. It's fucked up across the board. We can't take these, bro. These ain't it, coach, because it's like across the board. How you look at 44 crosses played in the game against Spurs with zero goals, cuz That means the quality is just something ain't right, bro. Even if the system was great, even if you have a couple players who can do right in that squad, bro, it's just levels aren't there yet. We're not reaching levels, bro. Because like when you look at it, the fringe, underperforming, and underpar players, surplus to requirement type niggas gotta be sold. They're just other guys, they're just the other guys, bro. We need star type or potential star type on this player. That's it, on this roster, that's it. Honestly, we're talking about like, oh, he's a great fringe player. Like, oh, if Elneny's not a starter level player, I like the, the little bit of games he played, but if Mikael doesn't trust him as a starter level player, then move on from him and then use those wages and that, and that, and that transfer feed will give me somebody who you consider a starter level player or potential starter level player. Because we can't keep watching Mandem. We keep saying we can't keep watching Mandem who are in an age group where they're at the peak of their, of their careers and they're making mistakes that are C-level. Because then that means we'll never see improvement, bro. And then as a football fan base, what are we buying into? What are we invested in, bro? Because this is not it, bro. Like, when you talk about the aftermath of this great fall that we've been on, bro, it's like, this is literally bottom. This is rock bottom as we talk about, you know, different teams that like we saw Man United hit their rock bottom and, you know, in the past we've seen Spurs hit their rock bottom, Chelsea as well, you know. This is our rock bottom because we're not a team that gets relegated. We know that much about our football club, right? So to be 15th with our worst league start in 45 years, that's it. That's it. We need to start addressing shit. There's no more pointing out and be like, oh, that's fucked up, that's fucked up. Now it's about solutions and actionable items and shit that we should be doing to fix this thing. You know what I'm saying? That's all we're discussing now. That's all it has to be about now when it comes to discussion, right? Because we've realized that Mikel needs backroom help. You know, we need some seasoned Arsenal minds in that dressing room. We heard talk about Camp and the shit didn't go through. Whatever, the, whatever it's going to have to be. If Thierry, maybe, whatever it's going to have to be, get it done for Mikel where you need somebody who's an Arsenal man through and through, a couple maybe. And then specialist coaches, a couple of those, where you've seen that the link between our defense, our midfield, and our attack is not seamless. We Mikel may have, may have an overall vision for how he wants it to happen. If you need people working on a day-to-day with individual players on how they can improve their game and their abilities to be part of that overall team structure. Those are specialist coaches that we need in those positions. Mikel needs help in the back room. That's it. At the end of the day, we need to highlight that, that the performance on the field are poor because of that. The players are having to adjust. And in some, in some places, they're learning quicker than others and it's doing well. We're defensively, they started well, not conceding as many goals as they should, but they're struggling to score goals, although they're creating a lot of chances. 
these technical things that can be worked on when it pertains to all of those things and things will look better, you know, come end of season, right? The squad does need rebuilding. And we have to understand that coming into the season, we didn't rebuild the squad, we didn't have a chance to rebuild the squad. And then we had what happened in January, be what it, we had what happened coming into the year, be what it was. And then it's, it literally is where we're at right now, right? Who we get at the off-season. We didn't really get a chance to do as much as we could have because then there was no markets to sell so many guys that we wanted to sell. And we didn't have the resources to bring in as many guys as we wanted to bring in because European qualification and, you know, very money, money tight, money, money, fucking selfish, crunke family. That's what it is, bro. But now we realize that we're going to have to make sales and maybe even take losses on some of these guys and move on from them, right? And rebuild, right? Because there's going to be certain purchases that we have to make in key positions. We're going to have to be in the market, I feel, for an experienced or young potential world-class goalkeeper. Move on from Burnt Lynn, all right? Move on from Matt Macy. Move on from Arunason end of season. You have that goalkeeper you buy. You have Okonko. You have Carl Hine. Those are your three goalkeepers. Either they young and potentially great we have one that's good right now and potentially great and then the other ones can compete in that position right fullback South Hector Bellerin go get yourself a fullback right center back promote Saliba go get another right center back who's competing in that position if Saliba's not levels yet left center back it's like we have Gabriel I like Pablo Marie personally move on from all the other center backs you have Costa Mavropanos and all of the other things David Luiz move on from all of that left back you know you have Kieran Tierney go get him a backup promote your Lopez to keep some depth in those positions there. I like Ainsley more in midfield, so transition him into being more of a midfielder next to a party as a squad rotation piece who can fill in who can fill out spaces in, in the fullback positions. Partey starts in midfield, get him a backup defensive midfielder type box-to-box guy. Get us our starting deep-lying playmaker who schemes from deep. If we like a walk, go get that business, get it done. Get us somebody who plays more on the front fruit shadow striker who can score some goals. You know, Ubers down the middle, promote the kids. Balugan and Nugetia out on loan, and let's see what we do there. Sell Bumeyang and the like. I sell Lacazette rather and the likes. Sell William end of season. We have Pepe and Saka on the left. We have Martinelli on the right with Nelson. Promote some of the kids like Hutchinson, Charlie Patino. Let's let's fill the squad out going into next season, knowing we have first team players who are levels, and we have young kids who could potentially be levels. And that's what it's going to be, right? At the very least, we'll see a lot better than what we're seeing right now. Because as we said, man, worst start in 45 years. We played 11 fucking games and only won four. Drawn one and lost six, bro. Like 13 points from 11 games ain't it, man. We scored 10 goals. That's less than a goal a game, but conceded 14. A negative goal difference, Kazo, and we are the Arsenal. With zero wins in four games, how are we the Arsenal on this 10th day of Christmas, bro? It's fucking tough, so... Going into the Dundalk game, man, it's like the only place where we have a little bit of joy right now is the Europa League. Let's follow through, you know. Played 5-1, 5, doing very well. You know, 15 points is nice. Scored 16 goals, conceded just the three. That's dope. Coming up against the Dundalk side, who has actually struggled in this competition, you know, and haven't won a single game in the Europa League. Scored, what is it, six goals, conceded 15. So, yeah, they're a team that can that can get got at, you know, especially in, in knowing who we are in this type of game. We're going to be playing a lot of the young kids. We can I expect to see with the squad that we've picked. We don't know what Mikel's picking with the squad that we've picked off the squad that he took on the trip, which is the one credit I'm going to give him as well for this, that he took a lot of young players on this trip, and I credit him for that because it shows that he is a man who's thinking forward. And I think even the talk about he's got three 
three games to save his job and Massimo Allegri comes in. Allegri's not going to do much better with this current squad. If you bring Allegri in and you're going to go spend 150, 200 million on a squad that's going to be Allegri levels to what he dealt with the Juventus, I see it. Otherwise, if you're going to still be, you know what I'm saying, stink meaner with the monies, then doggy. Mikel's our best manager, dog, and Mikel's our best manager, especially when he gets to man-manage these younger players, move on from the older players that aren't level. So here's the type of game we get a chance to do that, my G, especially knowing that we got Burnley on Sunday, Rest some of them first-team players, let them get a full week of training in, as Mikael said in his press conference. Reward the under-23 and academy players who have been doing well, you know what I'm saying? Give youth a chance. we got young players that are pretty levels, you know. And like I said, Mikael took a couple of them on this trip, and I fucks with that, bro, because Kenny big deal that, dog, because Mikael shows a knowledge of this football club and what we, need, we really need to be about going forward. We need to be about youth development and promoting some of these young kids and making sure we give them a chance there, right? This is what it is, man. So it's like... On this 10th day of Christmas, I will predict the lineup for the Dundalk game. Mikael, man, I'm proud of you for picking the players and taking the squad. Now I pray you select the right formation and the right young players and give them a shot, bro. Will we get a 3-4 goal margin and then send the rest of them in the second half and let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's give the squad something to cheer about. Let's give the fans something to cheer about. Because seeing some of our young players, because I know a lot of our fan base don't know some of these young guys. And we have some really special young players. Some of them you've seen, you know, the Balugans and Mill Smith-Rolls. You've seen some of them. We have some really special talents in the squad, bro. And if we are patient and we give it time, we can really see our Arsenal squad be truly great again. And it starts in a game like this where we give our young players a chance. We support them all the way. Our manager gets a chance to groom these players and develop them to the highest level. And who knows, bro, we could be, you know, winning World Cups and Club World Cups with these young players as seasoned players or young players who are now coming into their own in our squad in years to come, right? So, yeah, I'll predict the lineup, man. Carl Hines starts in goal because nothing against Runison. He's done very well, but you know there's going to be a change more than likely in the knockout stage unless we draw a team that is a team that we can beat and should be beating where maybe the first leg, then Runison will play and then Leno will come back for the second leg, which means this is the perfect game, pardon me, to play one of the younger guys where Matt Macy on age, you feel, man... I'm sorry, Brody, it's love, but there's no room for growth in that position for him as Arsenal. Same way we see for Runison, where even if he turned out to be pretty decent at 26, 27, there's not much room for him to become our number one consistently. Yes, goalkeepers age well, but it's like you have to be world-class levels at that age then, or potentially world-class levels at that age, right? I think Carl Hine at 18 is potentially world-class. Estonian international already. I mean, you argue, oh, ah, man, I could get into the Estonian national team. Tug, go try, bro, because the kid is keeping goal at 18. And he usurped a guy who was a veteran for that squad, and he's come in and he's done very well. So it's like, I'd like to see him get a shot at Arsenal, you know? If you're playing under 18 and under 23 football and you're a full international, bro, you deserve to get a run out in a game like this, in my look, in my book, right? So I'd like to see him get a run out, bro. Arthur Nkonko is somebody I like a lot, and... He'd have to sit on the bench for this one because Carl Hine right now is just a little bit ahead of him, I feel, when it pertains to pedigree. And I want to see him prove if he is. Like, Onko, I love the freaking... Like, both of them are pretty, like, tall-strapping young men. And it's like, I love the fact that you have a tall, agile goalkeeper where you saw how Lena got beat in that, in that son goal. It's like, damn, if you had reflexes and the height, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not sure about it. You just... You quarter two with each, you know? So I want to see these kids are... Pro- proportionately maybe just a little bit better than him so I want to see that right Suarez I think should continue at right wing back unless 
in my book as I think about it, Ainsley Maitland Niles starts where I'm just gonna make the small change as I do this. I'm sorry, bro. Ainsley Maitland Niles should start at, at right wing back with Suarez again, another guy who's done very well, but I'm not starting Ainsley on the left side. I'm not starting him in midfield and I'm not putting him in the bench as a midfielder. So I'd rather him start at right wing back and showcase what he can do there and actually have a side conversation as the gaffer and say, listen, I'm not as convinced about what Hector may be for us down the line and we may pursue upgrading in this position. I want to know if you are potentially an upgrade so we can upgrade in-house and go get a backup for you because we already have Suarez. You can keep him as a backup for a season. You can be the number one and then you can be an English international in this position as well, knowing that you can play right wing back, left wing back and in center midfield. It's worth the conversation right now because I think Ainsley's at a different place in his career than when Emery was trying to have those chats with him, right? At right center back, I'd like to see Zayn Mon-Louis start. A cultured footballer where we've seen a little bit of some of these kids in under 23 and under 18 match highlights and the little YouTube little highlight clips and whatnot. And it's like Brody, cultured, able to turn, receive the ball from the goalkeeper, distributed amongst the defenders, get it, then drive forward into midfield with it. I love that, you know what I'm saying? Especially playing next to a Pablo Marie who can sit deep and cover for him. Mon Luis, I think, will be very comfortable in that position, right? You can keep... Gabriel on the bench as a backup, but I mean, I think you'll be okay there. Joao Lopez is a kid I love to see start at left wing back because I've been advocating for him to be the backup to Kerry and Tierney so that we don't see too many minutes of, you know, guys like Sayed Kolasny at your left wing back. You know, I don't like to even see Bukayo Saka at left wing back because I don't think he's a defender in that regard. I don't even like to see Ainsley that side, but I know he performs well. But if we have a natural left sided defender playing there, I think long-term it opens up a lot more opportunities for us in different positions for different players, right? So Joao Lopez, I'd love to see start, man. Spanish Youth International we got from Barca, you know, what is it, 2017, 2018. A lot of potential in that kid. I'd love to see him get a, a game and showcase what he can do for the squad. El Neni in the 4-3-3, I'd love to see him start as the deepest of the central midfielders because I felt he should have played against Tottenham, didn't get the run out. Should get the run out this game. Players started 45 to 50, 60 minutes, then get taken off knowing he's going to start against Burnley because we need somebody with some defensive nows in that midfield and maybe play Willock. But that's Burnley. We'll deal with that when we get to it, you know. Right now, and then he should start because I think Willock should start next to him in this game. And let's see what we have in that combination because then potentially we can see what Willock can be next to Partey because we've seen what Elneny can be next to Partey, and he's adaptable in his game where he can shift on either side of that of that two, you know what I'm saying? We can be the, the deeper lying or the more adventurous of the two, right? Emil Smith-Rowe, I'd love to see start at the 10, where you've seen in, in glimpses what he can do when he's in that squad. And right now, it looks like we're creating chances, but not high-quality chances, high-volume chances, but not high-quality chances, right? And... I think this kid has that. Where this thing we're talking about, Mesut Uzo potentially missing, and that's what we're missing in the squad right now. It, it, it sucks for me because even if you had to register Uzo in January, unless you re-sign him on a new deal, it's pointless because he's still going to leave on a free, bro. Let's rather develop in-house. So unless you're giving Mesut a new deal and then you're going to put him back in the squad and all that shit's fixed, we're getting Mesut from Real Madrid back, Mesut, Sikra, early Arsenal, 2016-2017 days, cool. Otherwise, give Emil Smith-Rowe a chance and let's see what we have at 10 if we do have to go by externally. Because a lot of these positions we can actually fill in-house, bro, real talk. Our backup left back, we can fill with Joel Lopez. Our backup center back, Zenmon Luis, can prove to be that guy. Carl Hine can prove to be a great goalkeeper down the line. You know, Ainsley Mettenaz can prove to be our number one right wing back. Willa can prove to be our best central midfielder partner for Partey, right? And Mills Mithro could be to prove to be our best number 10. 
The same way going forward, we might have solutions in this game, thinking Pepe starting on the right, knowing that against Burnley is going to serve the last of his three-match league ban for the red card against... Uh, for the red card, how fucking forget the game when this fucking pusher got sent off. Now he got sent off against Leeds, right? Sent off against Leeds or Villa, whatever the fuck it was, he got sent off and that wasn't cool. So <laughs> it's like Pepe should start on the right knowing that for me, I would have started soccer in this game, but he started against Spurs on the left and William was on the right, they were interchangeable. I'm not really happy with what's happening with Saka in development. I think he needs a little bit of time away from the squad and come back against Burnley, play on the right side, start the game and finish the game and put in a shift and put in a performance. And I think that's the, the type of pressure you put him under by putting him on the bench for a game like this, you know? And starting Pepe, not even starting Saka on the other wing where I've gone with Omari Hutchinson where, you know, we've always talked about in every crop of generation, every group we have special players. We have a couple special players. And for me, Omari on the wing is like, I don't even know how we're going to cram it, bro, because you have Martinelli still there, you have Reese Nelson, and then you have Omari now. You have guys who can get it done on that left side, bro. Omari is that type of kid where on either side of the, either flank, bro, he can get it done. Even in the 10, I think he's got potential to be such a great player. He scores goals, he creates goals, he runs at opposition players, takes them on, dribbles Mandem, commits Mandem, breaks opposition lines. Now that Reese is unavailable for this game, William shouldn't start a game like this. The kids are out there. Play Omari, bro. Play Omari and let the people see that we have a talent on our books, bro. And let them rave a bit about what we have here at Arsenal, bro. Because likewise with Balogun, bro, a follower in Balogun needs to start this game. I love Aiden Kate here, but this is the type of game you start following. Let him go for that hat trick. Let people know what time it is. Let him put pressure on Laka. Let him put pressure on Uber. Let him put pressure on Ketia. Let them know what time we're on right now, bro. Because aside from that, that's our bench, bro. Arthur Gonko, Hector Bellerin, Gabriel, Karen Tierney, Miguel Aziz, another special player we like, bro, in midfield, bro. I like if he can come on for a nanny late on. That would be dope. Ben Cottrell and Charlie Patino, between the two of them, either one can come on for Smith Rowe or Willick and centre midfield late on. Or even both can come on. I like those two kids a lot. Bukaya Sako and Aiden Kitty, I think, should just be back up in case you need to take off Balogun or Pepe. Aside from that, bro, that's our squad. We're predicting a strong win for Arsenal, bro. Give us something like a... Give us a 5-2, bro. Let me put it on record. Give us something like a 5-2, bro. And... Let's celebrate, bro. Let's have something to celebrate. Let's have some reason to celebrate. Let's give the fans some reason to celebrate. Let's enjoy this thing now there by us, right? Because it hasn't been an easy transition for us as it has been, you know, coming into this Mikel Ateta reign. You know, we won some trophies, yet we've also lost some standing, you know? We, we further down than we were when Mikel really took over in that regard. So it's like we're going to have to make a lot of changes and a lot of that stuff in-house. It's going to start in a game like this where, hey, man, we're up against Dundalk, put in the kids, let's freshen up the pack a little bit, and then let's focus on Burnley on Sunday knowing that we've rested our first-team players, we've got a solid performance under our belt, and there's a lot more of a solid morale amongst the squad, amongst the fans, you know. Let's just give the squad good energies, as we always say, right? Because that's what it is. The energy is kind of low out, you know? So that's what we try to do with this episode as well. I just try to have more positive energy because it hasn't been easy across the board. So it's like, let's keep being positive in our outlook and our in our speech as well regarding our team. Let's just keep feeding them positivity. And you know how it goes, bro. This, 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 this doesn't last forever, you know? We were at the top and that didn't last forever. And now we're here, it's not going to last forever. And we'll be back at the top. And we have to be conscious that, you know, we... We keep it even keel regardless of where we at, right? Either way. So this has been when Highbury was home. A loud booth podcast presentation. 
I am your host, True Story. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Please like and subscribe, rate and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Let us know what the vibes is. You know, let us know who you think is going to be playing this game. And yeah, man, let's enjoy the game and get a positive result more than anything. You know how that goes. All we do is pray for a positive result at the end of the day. If we can get that and some positive performances as well, bro. Oh, man, more often than not, we will see it at the inverse, right? Give me a positive performance and the result can be positive too. My nigga, give me positive results right now and some of y'all can just show me potential to be better than you are right now and the potential you've shown over the last, the last couple of games. Then we can take those, bro. We can take those because we know at the very least there's room for growth. All we wanted to see going into the season for many of us as a fan base was like growth in our squad, bro. Growth in our manager, growth in our personnel when it comes to the back room because we put a new back room together. Growth in our ownership and them respecting what we're trying to build together here as a process and investing a lot more. So across the board, we've seen little signs of it. The Partey signing was great to see. Mikel taking these lumps after winning a couple of trophies. That's great to see because he's going to come back stronger. The young players growing as gradually as they have and now ascending into positions where we can trust a lot of them to come in and, you know, play quality minutes and Lord willing in the future actually be leading lights in our squad. All of that is positive to see as a result of us going through this darkness. So that's why it's important for us to embrace this darkness as it pertains to us seeing the light down the line. Let's keep the lights in mind, you know, and progress, you know. So we came into the season expecting growth and progress it was going to be a bit of a teething stage for us. The growing pains are real, no cap. Yet we soldiered through, we fight through. And over time, we know that, you know, we will get ours, you know, because trusting the process at the very least you know will lead will lead results you know so let's keep trusting the process let's keep doing what we're supposed to do and then and then we'll be good we'll be good so let's just keep working let's keep doing what we're supposed to do let's keep doing what we gotta do and overall overall our squad will improve to the levels that we're supposed to be at so that's all it is that's what it always will be man Two, what is it i even forgot the show name for a second bro when Highbury was home bro a live wood podcast presentation <laughs> i can't forget my name though i'm your host true story an Arsenal fan who is optimistic for the future right now. So you know how we say on the show, come on, you gooners. <laughs> Let's get a positive result, man. Peace.